It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today, a eulogy for the 2022 Minnesota Vikings. Hi, I am Arif Hassan from Pro Football Network. Uh, today, we break down the fact that it is hard to play quarterback. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman, going to break down and explain why yesterday's loss means I won't have a cat in my house for at least one more season. I'll explain why. Can't wait to see what that means. You'll find out today on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Oh, it's not really a party today, guys. Uh, welcome to the Minnesota Football Memorial, Minnesota Football Wake. Um, today we a put wake is a kind of party, I think. That's fair. Yeah. It's a celebration. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is it a New Orleans funeral where you no, party? It, have it's, a party? Okay. It's like it's like I I think of it as a somber party. I don't think of it like I'm not saying like oh we should always celebrate that's just kind of for everybody to decide on their own but rather it's a somber party like you, just, you bring everybody in you have drinks you socialize it's a party i an irish wake is another way go. to think there of you it. go New Orleans yeah. funeral yeah. Well an irish wake that's mm-hmm. what we do today on the minnesota football party i'm sam ekstrom that's arifasan at arifasan nfl luke inman locked on sports minnesota at luke underscore spinman 
Uh, big scoop yesterday, by the way, by Spinman getting um, Ole Udo starting over Blake Brandle, which, by the way, worked out pretty well. Um, but the Vikings season is over. 31-24, they lose. Wild card round. 13-win team. Does not win a playoff game. We break down the final play today and why I don't think Kirk Cousins should take all of your arrows. Maybe some. We'll talk about the defensive disaster and Ed Donatell's murky future. And you can find this show and all of our other shows on the Locked On Sports Minnesota app, Amazon Fire, and Roku. Watch us on your big screen, your smart TVs. You can get us on YouTube, Locked On Sports Minnesota. Over 4,200 subscribers now. We appreciate every single one of you, and we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, before we talk about the fourth and eight to start the show, let, we pay off teases early on this show. Luke, why are you not getting a cat? Here's the deal, okay? We got a dog, five-year-old golden doodle in the household, so we got animals in the household, all right? But my wife has been begging me for a cat since as long as we've been dating, going on double digits, over 10 years. And I said, if and when the Vikings ever win the Super Bowl, we can get a cat. So That's every so year, cruel, dude. Well, here's I the thing. Like, like I'm not a cat. Here's the thing. So if the Vikings won the Super Bowl, all right, when they do, right, you could get away with anything with me. You could ask me for anything. So I will be so happy. I'll be on cloud nine. Yes. You want a cat? We she, can get She's a like cat. correctly pointed but, out that the odds of that are astronomically low and that this is an unfair standard. Reef, she you agreed just to say it. you don't want a cat. She agreed to it. And, and you know what? If we win two Super Bowls, we this can get two cats. Okay. If, if, if there's a dynasty, if there's a Patriots dynasty that happens, You're uh, a cat we, may, we may be, yeah, she may turn into that cat lady. But obviously outside of the game itself, that yeah. obviously stings. But, you know, it's she's so rough, a little man. bummed this morning for sure that she'll have to wait at least one more season until we get a cat in the Inman household here. You know how I stopped drinking soda? 2009, Favre year. Um, you know, trying to make a health choice for like basketball season, you know, high school athletics. And I said, I'm not sure. going to drink, not going to drink soda, mm-hmm. not going to drink soda unless the Vikings win the Super Bowl. And it seemed likely because it and was then the you'll go hog wild. Right. Viking. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to hit the mountain do hard. <laughs> Vikings didn't win the Super Bowl. Haven't drank pop. Haven't since. touched a like, drop. Wow. I mean, I've, I've had a, I've had a drop, but as like, uh, okay. I, I never buy it. I never, I never buy like, Oh, it feels like soda, bottles of soda right now then right like luke's gonna start like fostering kittens for a couple of days every so often <laughs> like, i feel like yeah. you don't hold yourself to that standard <clears throat> no i mean yeah I, I i guess i'm california sober from from soda because i do occasionally like mix it with a cocktail but we're getting off track well here's the thing though they got these hard mountain dews now like the code yeah. red the baja blast they're about, they're about Arif to have was telling us there's hard monsters too yeah now. whoa yeah hard yeah hard monsters six percent abv which is half the abv of four loco remember when four loco had caffeine good old days oh yeah uh, sam you want me to tell that story but the four nope. loco? No, we're getting too far <laughs> off. The, the bosses are locked on are already upset. I'm going to get an email that we're too far off track in the first seven minutes of the show. Fourth and eight. What are you doing, Kirk Cousins? Arif, what was he doing? Uh, he was throwing to the wrong receiver. <laughs> it's just, it's, uh, it's, oh, it's not good. Uh, so we gosh. got the dots. Kevin Seifert got the uh, all 22. Uh, we were able to break down. 
the play is not a particularly complicated play to break down. You got three receivers running vertical routes of some sort. I guess it's not fair to say KJ Osborne's running a vertical route, right? He's he's crossing the face of the, of the corner mm-hmm. that's got outside leverage on him. But um, you've got three receivers uh, extended past the sticks. Uh, you know, after the game, O'Connell basically said that the point of that was to get Cousins to to throw the ball to basically take away options that he has to check down. Now he runs uh, two underneath routes on that play, so. Uh, I did have some people ask me, like, hey, why do you even have anybody checking down? You either got to have somebody in protection or you got to get that third or fourth or fifth guy also running vertical. And, like, the answer to that is you got you to gotta make the defenders cover right. underneath. and Suck in and, you just yeah, pull create them away some space. space. Yeah, yeah, like, that that makes sense. Like, if you run an underneath route and there are no defenders nearby, yeah, throw it. Right. But you got you got to have those guys there. And when they're covered, you honor what they did. By running, um, what's it? Uh, with the I think Nate Tice calls them love of football routes. You run those routes because you love football because you're not getting the ball. That's the whole point is you're helping everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. And Kirk Cousins doesn't honor that and throws it to them, right? There's more space available to those guys, so Cousins throws it to the wrong guy. Kirk, the worst thing he said after the game, and I thought, I think the explanation makes sense in theory. Don't want to take a sack. Want yeah, to put like the ball in play. I, I get I get that. But when he said, I, I didn't love throwing it up to Justin there. Mm. What? Mm. What? What are we doing? The what guy doing? that made the, the fourth and 18 catch, the guy that's made those plays all, all year long in double coverage, that's the worst part. And it, it wasn't as if Kirk labored, bounced around in the pocket, tried to flee, had a bad platform. He made the throw with so much confidence, like he didn't pump fake. He, he just looked over there and threw it as if that was a totally normal thing to do. Now, all of the following is true. And then Luke Inman, you can you can rip him if you want, weigh in. All of this is true. Horrible decision by Cousins. Also, awesome game by Cousins. He was great up until then. And the defense is the main reason they lost. All of it's true. We don't need to pick one or the other and, and be absolutely black and white about it. All of those can be true at the same time. Luke Inman. You're both totally right. Like, he made the wrong decision, but also this game was not won and lost by Kirk Cousins there. I mean, when there's that much pressure in your face that quickly and you're not a mobile quarterback, your options are going to be limited. There's not enough time to let those routes downfield develop. But if it's fourth down, your two options are either take a sack or put the ball in play. At least you put the ball in play, but that has to be to a guy beyond the sticks. So KJ or JJ, you got to give him a chance. Why that Hawkinson route was even ran so short of the sticks like that not sure hated that he was destroying the Giants defense on some stick nods up across the middle of the field all day so that was super frustrating just to see that even in the play design but you got to give credit to the Giants defense for getting home with four guys pretty much all day they didn't have to blitz why would they don't need to on average they blitz this season what 41 percent of the time something like that they blitz like less than half that yesterday so good on them getting home with four is a game changer. You get home with four, it can change the entire game. Just ask the Patriots in the Super Bowl after going 18 and 0. I will say though, if you want to put anything on Kirk for me, it's his lack of mobility. It doesn't need to be Lamar Jackson, but you got to be able to slide and extend the play just that extra half second, a la like a Tom Brady. Even just that extra half second maybe allowed a guy like KJ or JJ or I'm not sure what Adam Thielen was doing on that, but he was singled on the left. 
It was that, he. Okay. That, that was another conceivable play. I think, but I think too, Luke, you can kind of knock the play design because all three were such long developing deep. routes. They were really deep. There wasn't anybody intermediate or coming back to the football, which I think, I mean, I remember Norv Turner taking a lot of heat. Remember when Teddy Bridgewater got strip sacked um, mm-hmm. to end the game against Arizona and Zimmer ripped Turner for it. Um, because all the all the routes were long developing. That's downfield. a great flashback, Sam. That's the, a great callback. Yeah, Arif, we were watching that game at yeah. um, the restaurant in Roseville. Can't remember the name of it. Right. Uh, but similar to that, like I, I just feel like they needed something intermediate as an option. But watching mm-hmm. it again, like watching the dots, watching the play develop, Osborne cutting open in the middle, Thielen. He's he's blanketed, but he is in single coverage. I I don't even know if blanketed is right. When your receiver is hip to hip, single mm-hmm. coverage, he's open. You gotta mm-hmm. treat that receiver yeah. like he's open. He's even. Otherwise, even. yeah, exactly. Otherwise, that receiver should not be on the field. If 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 when he gets hip to hip, if when he's even, and he doesn't he doesn't strike you as somebody that can get open, that guy is not on the field for you. Yeah. That guy is a Treadwell. And this play is so easy to dissect, obviously, and destroy because it ended the game, it ended the season. But it's like Kirk even said in the presser, for me, I was thinking the same thing. The play you really want back is the third down play. Got sure. the play you want. We've seen KJ catch that pass so many times this season. Hits him in the chest. Could have been, maybe should have been thrown another couple feet out in front of him probably. And that was or, the uh, ultimate killer. Him. Yeah, yeah, like it's either it's either so, out and up or yes. out in front, like Kirk said. Yes, um, I do. I do want to say this though about that fourth and eight play. I don't have an issue with the play design. I think Hawkinson running that route is fine, just to to suck those defenders in. But I want to say, like the the thing for me is that Kirk Cousins, the entire game, he mentioned this after the pressure, the entire game he sees that single high safety shaded towards yes. Justin Jefferson's side, right? Part of the reason he doesn't want to throw that is because not only is Justin Jefferson double covered, that safety is kind of inching over in that direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't love that, you know, the guy that you locked into, the guy that makes these contested catches, this guy you're not comfortable throwing to there. But, like, if that's what's happening all game, your pre-snap read has to adjust who you mm-hmm. look to in that situation. If you are not comfortable throwing to the two and a half times covered double, uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, then don't start there when you know that that's what the play is going to be. Don't mm-hmm. go there with your progression. If you're not comfortable throwing that, don't start there, right? Yeah. Start, start with the guy yeah. that's going to get single coverage running a route away from the, you know what his route is before the play. You called the play model. Run, 100%. The guy running a route in single coverage away from the safety, start your progression there. If you don't want to drop a bucket pass to Adam Thielen there, I don't know why you wouldn't, KJ Osborne's still open. So like, I think Osborne's the play. It, I mean, it is. I'm sure he is. The and thing is, he's never going to be the first read in that progression, so I can understand why you never go there. But like, if you start with Jefferson, you got to click your eyes to Osborne. I agree with you, Sam. You got to throw it to Osborne there. I don't know why you your, your read even takes you. So rarely do you see, I mean, that would have been back-to-back plays very similar, the same exact thing, copy and paste, from the third down to the fourth down, back to Osborne. I wonder if it was just because it was so fresh that they didn't complete it the last time. He just instinctually just wanted to find a different receiver or route. Sam, ultimately, you mentioned, like, Cousins was outstanding a large majority of the game. He didn't lose the game, right? Defense, 100% on them. You hate to see the season end like that. But if you're looking to critique him, for me... Just in general, he, mm-hmm. he's never going to be again like Lamar, but like the lack of movement, 
the inability to just slide a little bit off that spot more often and extend plays because it makes things so easy as a pass rusher when you know exactly where the quarterback's going to be every single drop back instead of having to slow up your pass rush, make sure you're staying in your lane in case the quarterback moves outside the pocket, exactly what Daniel Jones did time and time and time again. That's just in general what really just kind of frustrates me with Kirk Cousins. Don't think at this point in his career it's ever going to change. just kind of is what it is. But again, when you're getting home with four man pressure like that all day like the Giants did makes things very difficult and that's why sacks can be deceiving because Kirk Cousins was not sacked yes but the Giants interior line did affect that game and I think a a bit as I feared that Garrett Bradbury first came back from injury Mm. he had a tough time he had a tough time with Dexter Lawrence tough game run game pass game uh Kirk made some awesome throws under duress as he's done all year And the Vikings, until the final two possessions, they moved the ball almost possession for possession with the New York Giants. We're going to rip the defense. We're going to talk more Kirk Cousins, what his future holds. But I'm going to tell you all about betonline.net. Remains your number one source for sports betting info. Very sad day because we don't have a Vikings line to update as we've done all season long. So I will tell you that the Giants are seven-point dogs against the Eagles next weekend over under 48 in that game. Bills favored by four. Chiefs favored by eight. Cowboys tonight favored by two and a half against the Bucks. That's all at betonline.net, where you can also get NBA lines, NHL lines, and plenty more. Sports podcasts there as well. It's BetOnline. It's on your mobile device, and it's where the game starts. Uh, let's, you know, let's keep talking, Kirk. Let's just let's keep this going. Did Kirk Cousins... Lack of mobility and all. And I think yesterday was a good contrast because Daniel Jones does not have the arm talent of Kirk Cousins. Daniel Jones was great yesterday. He is still not a passer like Kirk Cousins is a passer. But his impact on that game, without even being incredibly fast, to identify the soft spots, to have so much conviction, to run the football, to see the openings, And to change the game the way he did with his legs, it does show you the contrast and what even a semi-mobile quarterback can do for a team. Um, So after seeing that, seeing what Kirk did all year, do you have more confidence than you did going in that Kirk Cousins could lead this team to a Super Bowl if things around him improved? More time on task with the scheme. Obviously, a better defense, probably the biggest variable. Luke, what do you think? You know, honestly, the highs were great this year, and it's really encouraging to just assume what year two, right? Another year under the scheme schematically with KOC and this offense is going to look like. For me, I'm just not there, Sam. The first sit-down conversation between Kwesi and KOC before you get to the defense and the salary cap, the draft picks, everything else, is this guy the guy that we want to lead us to a Super Bowl? Because as we've talked about all year and ever since Kirk's been here, when the surroundings are great, he can be a great quarterback. But if you're talking about what it takes to go on a Super Bowl run in this league – Now you're talking about the surroundings almost need to be perfect. They need to be flawless, right? I mean, just look at last night. Like, the protection needed to be better. And it's like, obviously, at this point of the year, every team's got some injuries. You lose Brian O'Neill. Sam, you mentioned Garrett Bradbury's banged up. But all in all, like, they've done a lot to improve the offensive line. What, three first-round picks and two second-round picks? Like, 
there's just only so much you can do to surround this guy with elite talent around him. And obviously you hope the defense gets better. Maybe you sit there and say, all right, if we can get the defense just to, you know, middle of the pack, 20th ranked defense, maybe that's enough. But honestly, I just don't think in those big pressure situations, the big time games, the way we see other elite quarterbacks in the NFL elevate their play in the playoffs. I just mm -hmm. don't think we've seen enough from Kirk Cousins to show us, to prove me at least, that he's going to be able to win and go on a hot streak in the playoffs and win you the ultimate game. I just don't. This conversation just gets more and more complex because we went into this year saying, well, well now there's no excuse for Kirk Cousins. He's got the offensive-minded coach. He's got all the weapons you can imagine. He's got two stalwart tackles on the offensive line. And it's still, it's still as gray as ever. We still don't know. And we, we never will. I don't think we ever will because the stats were worse. The wins were better. The clutchness was unbelievable. And that's what we asked for for so many years. Mobility was better, but it's still well below average. How many actually, quarterbacks in the league would beg to have the weapons and just surrounding mm -hmm. talent on offense, right. just on so, offense? So this is like actually kind of what I wanted to get into, right? So, like, obviously the defensive environment for Cousins and Wins was abysmal, right? Mm -hmm. You know, for whatever reason, right? Whether it can be – and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, on the show. But um, I offensively, you, you give a quarterback that is expected to make – 35 to 40 million dollars a year, right? Let's assume that's the standard we're evaluating Kirk Cousins by, which, you know, that's what he's getting paid. That's what his cap it is, right? If you take a quarterback of that level, right, and you give them what I would regard as kind of an average offensive line, right? I think that's fair, right? Mm -hmm. Elite yep. tackles, mm -hmm. some issues in the middle, right? And then you give them that receiving core. Generally speaking, you would get more production. And I think you you probably don't get, you know, kind of what happened late in games. I think Kirk Cousins stood out this year for that. But also you are not there late in games a lot of the times because the offense is getting more production Good point. than what you got. So there, there's fewer mm -hmm. late game situations you're demanding of Cousins, right? So I think that that's kind of the way that you evaluate it. Um, now, if the defense this year, was an average defense below average. They're like 20th instead of 25th, 31st, whatever, you know. Um, I would not have had any concerns about the Vikings going into this game. You know, I would have said, hey, would have been nice to get the second seed, but hey, they've they basically sewn this up against the Giants. And they would have, right? Because an average defense does not give up 3.44 points per drive to Daniel Jones and the New York football Giants this year. They just don't. And so they would have won the game, right? And so in that, in, in a very real sense, if the defense plays up to its contract, to its expectations, which were not sky-high expectations, you know, the Vikings win that game, right? So in that world, right, is it is it fair to say that Kirk Cousins uh, underperformed most of the year? I guess. Can you win with Kirk Cousins? If this is the Kirk Cousins we get, and by this I don't mean this particular one where he broke down the fourth and eight but the entire year of Kirk Cousins. If this is the Kirk Cousins we get for the rest of his career, are the Vikings going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not. Mm -mm. But it was nice to see kind of a different 
It was type of player, a breath of fresh air for sure, for sure. But it also gives you hope and optimism. What can KOC do with a different quarterback with a different skill set? I want to ask you guys a question. Post this: Is this a Wilf problem? The Wilfs, it seems like, are so reluctant to tear the whole thing down and are so content with just being competitive and being that team who at least has a shot to win the North and maybe just make it in the playoffs. That's good enough for now. So scared and timid to have to go through the whole thing, Chicago, for example example and Ryan Poles are going through tear the thing down to the studs and have those and endure those two three maybe longer four seasons of just mediocrity and just not being very competitive does this start at the top with the Wilfs mm. I for, for one and I'm just one opinion um, I actually agree with the not rebuilding now that I see what Justin Jefferson oh, represents I, I think that, and I've said this to you, Luke, before, if your offense is high-end, high-ceiling like the Vikings is, I just think that that keeps you in the race every year. Um, now, you can say that the quarterback is the, is the problem that's holding you back, um, but when you have what you have on offense, I think the correct move is to continue to try to capitalize on that while you have it. Because you don't have you don't have it forever. You don't want to take it for granted. You don't want to waste a year of Justin Jefferson's prime. And I'm talking prime. Like, we may not have even seen the best of him yet. Um, but you also don't know when that's going to end. You don't know when an injury is going to affect that. You don't know when Kirk Cousins falls off a cliff. I just think with the amount of talent on that side of the ball, I think you have to keep buying in. I, I, and I, I was the opposite going into the year. I said, tear it down, get a new mm-hmm. quarterback. And I think I've changed my mind um, because I just think this offense has too much potential to really earnestly rebuild. I think you got to keep doing it on the fly, the competitive rebuild model. That's my take as of now. I might change it later. Arif, agree or disagree? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I didn't love the competitive rebuild model, especially recommitting to Cousins for all of that. I think that. This, uh, in a large way, demonstrated that that we were wrong about that approach, that I was wrong about that approach there, um, that the Vikings were competitive. But, like, the thing is, the whole point of this was not to go one and done in the playoffs, right? And so, in a sense, I don't know that anybody was right because you really have to put a lot of trust in a lot of areas of your team in order to make that the priority. And some of that trust goes into players like Patrick Peterson, who I think PFF gave him a good grade. I thought he struggled all year. He had some amazing moments, right? He won some games in part because he made up for some of the issues that occurred in the secondary, in part, you know, issues that are related to to how he played, right? You need to absolutely trust that your draft picks are nailing it. That's not happening, right? You have to trust in a lot of areas. And the areas that I think we were most skeptical of, they came out ahead. In the areas that we did a little bit less critical analysis for, they came out behind. When you do a competitive rebuild, there is a fine line you're walking. And I think they got more of the way there than any of us, at least on the show here. There's a lot of people who did get it right. But uh, uh, that any of us here anticipated. They got much further along that tightrope but they didn't get across the tightrope. Right. So like mm-hmm. that so I yeah. I don't know if it's fair to say that they were correct. Next year the way they handle that cap situation which is dicey might kind of help inform our approach to the way that they approach this last offseason. It's going to be so hard for the remainder of Kirk Cousins' career to field a team 
that doesn't have a razor thin margin of, of error, right? Because of the cap, like th- it's going to be hard for them to shed all this space, find replacements, develop them, and have a semblance of a top half, maybe even top 10 defense with Kirk Cousins still in his prime. That's going to put all the onus on the offense again, and it's going to be dependent on injury luck as well. The Vikings were so healthy. Mm -hmm. Jefferson played the whole year. Thielen, even though he was banged up, played the whole year. Cousins didn't get hurt. Um, Dalvin Cook, Daniil Hunter. Dalvin Cook played every game. TJ Hawkinson played every game with Minnesota. Um, You did have some issues with your tackles, but you ended up with Derrissaw in the playoffs. You did lose O'Neal. But for the most part, amazing injury luck with this team. Don't know if you have that forever. So I I could, uh, unfortunately, so this offseason is going to be all about the Vikings are going to regress. That's what everyone's going to say all offseason. Oh, yeah. Was due for preview regression. for all of my uh, podcasts and articles about the Vikings drawn out. That, absolutely. And my, and my goal is to acknowledge that and for the next eight months talk about, okay, how do they avoid it? How do they stave off regression? Um, and the next three months are going to be compelling because they've got myriad players to to address contract wise. Uh, they got to nail this draft, obviously. And again, that's that thin, uh, razor sharp margin of error. But before we continue this discussion, let's talk defense. After this, let's talk about the defensive meltdown yesterday. Um, I've also got to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is revolutionizing nutrition, and it is your ticket to a successful New Year's resolution. We're about halfway into January. Hopefully, you're still working out, eating healthy, whatever you wanted to do with the new year. And Built Bar can help you along the way because you don't have to compromise taste. You can still get nutrition. You get a delicious snack that fills you up, fuels your body. 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein or so, only 4 grams of sugar. The flavors are unbelievable. Churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, just a few examples. And with those amazing macros, you can feel good about eating Built Bars. Where do you get them? Built.com, of course, or in-store. Walmart. Go to the pharmacy section. Get a four-pack of Built Bars. Sam's Club. Run in. Get a baker's dozen. 13-bar box. Some brownie batter, some cookies and cream. Mm. You can thank me later. Later. Built Bar. Check it out. Uh, defense, fellas. What, what about one it? Word to, one word to describe it. I mean, pitiful, abysmal, abysmal abhorrent, offensive. List goes on and on. Um, that was as punchless of a defensive performance. And I think there was room to salvage it. Like, I really think that they could have saved that game with one big play late at 24, 24, you've got a chance to get the ball back, give your offense a chance to do what it's done all season long. And they could not stop the New York giants. Luke Inman, you putting this on Donatel or personnel. We're going to sit here and dissect this thing all off season. Maybe only for the next few weeks. We'll see how long Donatel lasts, but they just looked so unprepared not just versus the Giants, but you just go back multiple times this season, just in general, poor job of passing guys off in coverage. They were used and abused a lot and like trying to fit runs outside a lot, a lot of sloppy communication. And that's with 
six, seven, eight, nine-year veterans on the team, too. So what does that say? And just overall, too, I'm going to go back and rewatch this game today. I have a feeling, though, when I sit back and watch it, I'm just going to be shocked at how slow the entire defense looked because it didn't really feel like the Giants did anything special in that game plan or play calling, like nothing. Like, this was exactly the way Brian Dable built the team. It's how he wants to win games. We knew that going in. Daniel Jones, did he throw a pass further than 20 yards one time? I don't think so. I they didn't have to. So. Yeah, yeah they, they had so much success with what they wanted to do. And again, this defense just looks old. They looked the part of having a roster full of aging veterans. They need fresh legs with more speed. They need guys like Asamoah, Lewisine, Andrew Booth, and Caleb Evans on the field next season just to inject some youth into this lineup. But strictly last night, atrocious from a coaching, play calling, adjustment standpoint, and outside of how slow the players looked, it just felt like they were just not prepared for what the Giants were doing, which for me is just the most disappointing part of it because I think even us watching at home had a pretty good idea of what they wanted to do, the Giants, that is, offensively. And the Vikings defense just never once forced them into something outside their comfort zone in that game. Must be nice just to sit there and pick us apart and do whatever you want to do all game. The fact the Giants didn't line up for a third down until their third drive. Like, that's unheard of, man. Are you nuts? That's insanity. Like, that was everything that was wrong with this defense as a whole this season. Their lack of winning on first and second down and yeah. having yourself in so many difficult third and short situations that are already so hard to defend. But now you're playing in a league where so many teams are willing to go for it on fourth down because they know it's so hard to stop a team twice in those short-yarded situations. And I think it's just funny because as bad as Zimmer's defense was last year, and it was certainly his time to go, we know that. But, boy, you start to miss the foundation of his philosophy this season where all the attention, all the detail was you got to win on first and second down to set up those third and longs where then he would dial up the exotic double-A gap looks and blitzes, et cetera. But I just think it's kind of ironic now to say, you know, we sat there and go, okay, no chance this defense could be any worse than it was under Zimmer. It was worse. Well, Ed Donatel did his best to prove us all wrong. And, you know, he finished off with a bang last night to end the season. I think it was worse, Arif. No, no, no. There's no question it was worse. Um, it was worse. This game was worse for the defense than a lot of games this year. I think that this is one of the worst defensive performances we've seen all year, but it was a bad defense all year. Here's something to kind of chew on. The Giants scored the second most points than they have all year, right? The only other time was the Colts. They also had the fewest drives in a single game in this game than they had all year. So to score your second most points while having the fewest Efficient. opportunities to score, like that is damning, absolutely damning for the defense, right? Like the idea that, hey, you're just asking the offense to score, you know, 30 points or whatever, which is still asking a lot, is I think insane considering how many drives both teams had. You just didn't have drives to score that many points. You're asking the offense to essentially be perfect. I mean, we spent the first section of the show castigating Kirk Cousins for not being perfect. Um, that, I think, is an indictment of the defense. If you score three points a drive, which is what the Vikings did here, they scored three points a drive. If you score three points a drive, you are the best offense in the NFL, nearly one of the best in the history of the NFL. The Chiefs scored 2.71 points per drive, and their offense is by far and away the best right now, and just in terms of points per game, points per drive, efficiency, whatever, right? They are lapping the second-place team 
in points, right? And they're scoring 2.71 points per drive. The Vikings in this game scored three, right? The Giants are sorry. Yeah, the Giants scored 3.44. That is wild. <laughs> that is absolutely unconditionally horrible. There's like, I'm not a huge defense wins championships guy, but like any unit can lose you championships easily. And that's exactly what the defense did here. First five drives. One of them is a 45 second end of half drive that they did not seem particularly interested in scoring on. They let the clock drain. I don't even know why they did the third down play that they needed to because the clock could have drained anyway. 45. Let's kick that that one out because they weren't even interested in doing anything. They mm-hmm. just wanted to make sure the Vikings team. Only time they look the good. Conference. The defense look good. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so first four drives, four scores, three touchdowns and a field goal. Can't cannot let that. And it's not like hey. the, the offense put them in awful field position or anything like that. Right. So it was a 75 yard drive. No, they were starting deep drive after the it's, holding. Yeah, a 20 play 20 drive. play drive. That sucked the life out of that defense from the get go. That was kind of the epitome of the way that game went for the Vikings. 20 plays, 11 minutes off the clock. Defense was on the field so long at that point. It's only the second quarter of the game. You're thinking, are you kidding me? Is this how this whole thing's going to go? Never seen anything like that drive before. That was one of the bigger stories of that game. Not enough adjustments by Donatel. Again, just made life too easy for the Giants. That's just on coaching. You asked me, is it the coaching or is it the personnel? I think it's on coaching, man. I think that's where um, you start. I-, I wanted to back up something you said, Luke, about First and second down defense. Mm-hmm. Second down defense this year, 6.6 yards per play allowed. Worst in football. Got to be by a lot, too, I would imagine. Yeah, and a lot being, you know, 0.4 yards. Sure. Which is yeah. which is the next, but that is a lot. Yeah. Like, in this context, yeah. that is a lot. The next closest mm-hmm. team is the Raiders at 6.2. So the worst second down defense in football. Third down defense, strangely, not as bad, probably because teams were getting a lot of their work and first downs on second down. Right. So uh, that was the case yesterday. I, I do think though, that as bad as the coordination was, I think that you're kind of liberated to do whatever you want with some of those veterans. Like, I think you've got every right to jettison Eric Kendricks. If you want, um, like, I don't think you rush to extend to Neil Hunter. I think you try to bring him back in his contract year. If he will do that, he might hold out. I think you try to get him back for one more year. I don't think you re-sign Patrick Peterson. I think he's, he is, he played decently, but he's old and he's going to want a lot of money and he's going to want multiple years. I don't think you do that. I, I just think, I think everything's on the table. I, I don't think you cling too tightly to anyone mm-hmm. is there one name on this defense that is making big bucks like second or third contract guy that you said that you would say absolutely needs to be back next year reef um i i mean honestly i i don't know if second or third contract guy make yeah i think daniel hunter right like i i disagree with you there i think that you need to absolutely bring him back and i think the i'm fact- not saying cut him i said bring him back if he'll like if he'll come back, I don't know I know. if you rush to extend. I do. I rush to extend. I thought really? he had a remarkable season. Yeah, I okay. thought he played extremely well. Um, and and I to me, that's an indictment of the coaching and the coordination that you cannot produce anything out of that. Right. Right. To, exactly. Yeah. Like to me, the lack of Eric Hendricks' mental acuity seems less of an Eric Hendricks problem and more of a coaching problem. Right. Right. Um, like. 
all of these players are either players that are playing completely uncharacteristically of themselves, right? Which mm -hmm. is like Hendricks or kind of Harrison. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or players that are playing really well and you're not getting anything out of them. Zedaria Smith, Neil Hunter, Dalvin Tomlinson, all in that category of player, all playing really fantastic football, not getting anything out of it. Or uh, you may be a third option, not the right players for your scheme. Harrison Smith, right? Um, all of those are true. And to me, that just, it always boils down to coaching. They're like, yeah, you've got a cap issue problem. And, and if you're going to make some, you know, key cuts, you probably should, or, or, or make some key choices rather, you should probably do it on the defensive side of the ball. I get it. Um, Jordan Hicks doesn't cost that much. So you're not saving that much by moving on from him and drafting a guy or putting Brian Asamoah there who, you know, it seems like he's kind of earned that spot a little bit anyway. Uh, but moving on from Kendricks just seems like you're solving the wrong problem. Right. So, yeah, I mean, but the def like right now, the 2023 cap, the offense is slated to make something like 58 percent of all the cap money allotted to offense and defense. Right. So I'm skipping special teams in this percentage. That is about 10th in the NFL in terms of offensive percentage. Uh, okay. That that to me means that the the investment in the defense is not the issue in terms of like. Like like if you need to save money. You either need to, you know, make some some restructures on offense or, you know, there's only one or two areas on the defense that you can make, you know, some some key changes. So, yeah, I, I think move on from Patrick Peterson. I think that that absolutely makes sense. Um, but you need to make up for that because there's not many cornerbacks, uh, you know, signed through 2023, 2024. So you're probably going to end up spending that money on defense anyway. Um, you know, hopefully work out a deal with Harrison Smith. But to me, it's like, the Adam Thielen contract is right there, mm -hmm. right? Like that, that is like a bigger way to save money is to figure out what to do with Adam Thielen, right? To me, you probably save money by extending Daniel Hunter, but you definitely want to keep him in the building, right? Mm -hmm. um, maybe evaluate Harrison Phillips. I mean, he played really well, so mm -hmm. I'd, I'd hate, I would hate to say that, but it's like, are you getting what you want out of that? I don't know. Is it helping you that you got what you want out of that? Probably not. So there's there's opportunities on defense, but to me, that's not really where... The issue is the the players. Uh, to your point, too, about the offensive cap, too, it just goes to show just the impact it can have for the teams that have that starting caliber quarterback on a rookie deal, too. And obviously, when you're paying Cousins all that money, that goes into a lot of it as well. But there's two sides of it here. To your point, like mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's safe. I agree with Arif. I think Hunter, I'm bringing back and try to restructure that. But for the most part, just top to bottom, just in general, I don't think anybody's safe. You're not attached to anybody. doesn't matter the name on the jersey, superstar. Are, you're a staple of this roster for the last five years or not. But before you even get there, I think it does have to start at the top with the coaching staff because I think the offense yeah. has proved it already belongs in the postseason. You just can't be too upset with what they did. And you look at the lack of plays and volume they had at their disposal versus the Giants yesterday. Not on the offense, for sure. Uh, and even Cousins. I mean, we'll dissect Cousins again all offseason, sure. But to your point about if you are going to roll and commit with Kirk Cousins, then we've already established, because of what you justified, there's a lot of young core pieces on offense, Brian O'Neill, Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, sure. Okay, if that's your plan, you got to yeah. be really careful about just – all right, flipping to the defensive side of the ball and just starting to cut everybody loose. Because if that's your plan with Cousins, remember, he does need a really great supporting cast around him. And all of a sudden, you get rid of Pat P., Harrison, Kendrick, Sonner. 
all of a sudden there's nothing left and you're just relying on either building through the draft, which this is not the year for the Vikings to do that. They're picking later in each round and then they also only have, what, four or five picks? Okay, if it's not in the draft, then you're relying on guys like, so now we just went from Hunter to DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones? Like, you just can't expect that Cousins is going to have that right supporting cast that you're hoping you can give him to go on that again, Super Bowl run. Yeah, you you both raised great points. Um, I also think that you need to consider as part of this competitive rebuild, if you need to save cap and maybe add some some picks to your arsenal, you might consider a trade for one of these guys. Like if Daniil Hunter, if you don't want to extend Daniil Hunter, you might have to consider trading Daniil Hunter. Like I know that it's no one wants that. No one wants to part with someone that's been around eight years and was a star for you. But I think that there are some harsh realities that Quazy has to face. And uh, that might end up being the ultimate way that this defense does get rebuilt is if you really uh, add a lot of draft arsenal to your cupboard. Um, we I, got I, months- think, I think that's a great idea, like just in, in general, in theory. But mm-hmm. so many of these guys are so old now and their contracts are so large. I think literally only Daniil Hunter of those core pieces. Kendricks, no. Harrison, no. Yeah. Pat P, no. Zadarius, no. I think Hunter is the only guy that you're going to get any type of fair market value for that would make Correct. it worth it. Like in theory, though, like, of course, yeah, hey, if we can get a, you know, a, a, you know, whatever, a fourth for Eric Kendrick, maybe we think about that. Now, all of a sudden, your defense is so stripped down and you're in this win now Kirk Cousins era. You got to make sure the risk is worth the reward. But Hunter, mm-hmm. I feel like, is the only guy that is expendable as far as a trade yeah. goes that you might be able to get a second. I look at Khalil Mack trade and some others, not saying he's maybe on that level uh, compared to the market value, but. Maybe he gets a second and a fifth. I don't know. And then he clearly. Well, if money. you don't get don't a know. first, I'm keeping him. Screw that. That's what I'm saying. I'm with you. Yeah. So is it really yeah. worth it at that point? I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know. We don't know what what teams would say or offer for him. I have no idea. But it just seems like the market value for again trades like Khalil Mack and things like that. I'm with I'm with you, Reef. I thought Hunter played phenomenal. I, I thought he was great. And I think he was doing like a lot of the core veteran defensemen doing what the defense was asking them to do. And it just didn't produce or turn into any productions or stats or big numbers or splashy plays, things like that. I don't think Daniil Hunter is diminished in play or talent at all. I really yeah, I, I will. I will agree with you in the sense that I feel like the defensive line is a group that maybe the only group that kind of held up its end because the interior play just player for player. Um, Phillips, Tomlinson, uh, Tonga, Bullard. Like you, you, I mean, you, you, for you what got, he was, yeah, you got a good amount from that group. Zadarius and Hunter produced enough. Like, there really weren't weak links. It wasn't like the 2020 defense that didn't have Daniil and mm-hmm. traded in Gakwe and mm-hmm. Griffin was, I mean, Griffin was, you know, wasn't even on the team like that year. It wasn't that group. Right. It's better than that group. Beyond that, the next two levels, linebacker, secondary, that's where you've got some serious questions. Uh, Brandon Staley. Hello. Like he's defensive coordinator. Hello. He knows yep. KOC from the LA Rams. Let's go. I'm not convinced he gets fired, but if he does, that's, that like that that could change KOC's decision. Could it not? If he's on the market, he's got the relationship. I would love it. I am 
all in on Brandon Staley I would love as that the too. coordinator. I would love that yeah. too. I, and certainly, who's out there and, and available, that's going to influence KOC's decisions, right? Because you don't want to just stay the same or downgrade. But I was just going to say real quick, as far as like the production, didn't Hunter and Zedarius both end up in the top 10, if not one of them in the top five in quarterback pressures this year? Yes, Zedarius always was produce. Up, was up, yeah, he was up there. Produce. I believe he, And that's what finished. Hunter... Being asked to drop back seven times a game, too, which don't get me started on that. But yeah, it's just kind of wild to think about. I think, again, I think we're all in agreement here. As much as we want to pick apart the cap and the aging veterans and things like it does start at the top with the coaching. They uh, they fin- they both finished top six, Darius four, Daniil six. Top so six, two that's, of them. That's not where the problem is. Right. Um. Yeah, I would love Brandon Staley. I personally, I, I don't like care who it is like they should bring somebody in that's not ed donatel i think that um obviously you can't just bring in someone completely unqualified i would be against that but i think that just generally speaking anybody who's remotely qualified is is almost certainly an upgrade here whether it is somebody within the system like brandon staley or say zero evero if he doesn't get a head coaching job or if it's somebody completely outside the system somebody like a gerard mayo right which it sounds like that's just not going to happen he's turned down a defensive coordinator and a head coach interview it sounds like he's a head coach and waiting for the patriots but you know as an example you know somebody's completely outside of the system it does seem like based off of you know the things you know o'connell said before the season ever started that he is very committed to this idea of starting every defensive look in a too high look and then moving on from there. And that is very much connected to the Staley Fangio scheme. They seem to be very big fans of Mm. which, okay, fine. But Fangio is out there. Staley is out there. Evero is out there. There's a bunch of people in that system that are kind of worth going after if they become available, Evera would be conditional about you know him not being able to become a head coach on these interviews. Staley, of course, conditional about him not being able to to make his um, uh, you know to to stay on on with the team. Uh, Fangio conditional because he's like a consultant, I believe. I forget where he's a consultant, but he's not like a defensive coordinator anywhere. So he'd be conditional about you know asking him to be able to take on that responsibility. And there's like three or four others that you could you could kind yeah. of tap. Yeah, Mike, Mike Zimmer is available. Yeah. Totally. Well, I, I just mean within the system, but yeah, but yeah, outside of the system, yeah, bring in Mike Zimmer. I he he knows how to use these guys. Bring in nah. Dion. Screw bring it. in Dion. Bring, bring Dion. on Dion. Cool. Dion. No, but like there's there's all kinds of options, and I think a lot of these options are better, and they don't necessarily have to come from the system. But I think that he is very committed to that idea, and uh, and it just so happens that there are a lot of people um, that are becoming available that that potentially come from that system. Let's end with a four minute drill. Start the clock. It's time to execute the four-minute drill. Arif and Luke, you are now Quasi Adolfo Mensa. You have decisions to make. What is your first move this offseason? First thing you do to start the deconstruction slash reconstruction of your team. Arif, go. Boy. Okay, the, the very first move that I make to to restructure the team. I did not thought about this enough to have a to have a one minute uh, thought on this. But the Vikings are strapped for a cap. I think the first move is probably to shop Adam Thielen or find some way to extend him to reduce the cap hit. His cap number for twenty twenty three is nineteen point nine, basically twenty million dollars. That's a concern. Then I take a look at Harrison Smith, who's played really well. His cap hit is nineteen point one, but I don't think you can carry that cap going forward. I think that that's an issue. And then finally, Dalvin Cook. You see if you can shop him a little bit. The running back trade market 
it is a little bit wonky, but we saw what Christian McCaffrey was able to do. You might be able to get something for Dalvin Cook. Not the same thing that they were able to get for Christian McCaffrey, but that is an option that you have available to you. Didn't even use the full minute. Uh, Luke Inman. Yeah, I mean, outside of moving on from Donatel, finding the right young, innovative, next defensive coordinator, I think for me, and we already kind of touched on it, I'm sitting down with KOC and having a really tough conversation. Is Kirk Cousins the guy that can win us a Super Bowl? Because before any of the defensive moves or salary cap, Thielen, Harry, restructure, et cetera, I think if it was me in there, that's got to be the first conversation you have. And if you do think he can be that guy, then what do we need to do to surround him with everything he needs? What does that look like? What's plan A, plan B, plan C this offseason and moving forward? Because I think we've always said Cousins is a great quarterback when he's surrounded with the right tools. But is that enough to win a Super Bowl someday? I'm just not sure because that means his surroundings need to be almost flawless and perfect to go on what you need for a Super Bowl in this league. It's no secret. It's a quarterback-driven league. And it's tough because like he did play well at times this season. And I think KOC sees the potential, the ability with another year under his belt in the same scheme. He hit some benchmarks this season. It's tough to just ignore all that when you win 13 games. That just doesn't happen very often. But you got to have that conversation first and foremost before you touch anything else. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about another like heart-to-heart -heart that needs to happen, and that is between management and Justin Jefferson's representation. The largest cap liability you have may not be Kirk Cousins. It may be Justin Jefferson. And I use the word liability very literally, as in like you owe him a lot of money. Like You're account. going to owe yeah. him yeah. a lot of money. Um, and I think you need to know the reality of what's that, what that's going to be so you can team build. Because if, if that money, because I think the extension happens this offseason, um, if that's the case, I think you need to know what it's going to do to affect your cap going into this team building phase. Uh, Ideally, you would like to have that information before free agency, just so you know the, the realities of what you're dealing with and that you can negotiate with Kirk Cousins in you know having that information as well because you're probably going to give him a one-year or more extension. I think Justin Jefferson keeping him happy and uh, coming up with something fair to the organization and to him, I think that's got to be the, the approach you take to make sure that he is satiated. Um, and I think this season guys went a long way to that like if you were nervous about justin jefferson getting disgruntled mm -hmm. um you know with another year of losing you know he he brought his game to new heights he became an international phenomenon he made the playoffs he won a ton he was the focal point of the offense i don't think there's any reason and i see in the comment section like we posted the, the video of justin jefferson post game on our youtube channel subscribe now um, people in the comments saying, oh, he'll ask for a trade in a couple of years. I don't think so. I think he's pretty happy where he's at. I would be. Does that? Do, do you think there's any risk of losing Justin Jefferson's commitment to this team? I mean, there's play. always a, a risk, I guess, but I'm with you. Like More so not even Kirk having a reliable veteran quarterback that can get me the ball more times than not. It's having KOC. Uh, I think it's it's seeing what he did with Cooper Cup and then being in it, living that reality just for your first season and knowing, man, this is going to be great. What can I build this off of? What's year two and three going to look like? So, yeah, there's always a risk for sure. I think both parties understand the situation and what the numbers are roughly going to look like. And that's going to be one of the top priorities. I would think this offseason, you're only going to hurt yourself down the road. The longer you wait, you could if you wanted to. But I think it's something that they're going to want to get done 
done sooner than later. Wouldn't be surprised at all if it is this offseason. Yeah, I mean, like Luke said, there's always a risk. But I, I just feel like it takes a particular set of circumstances for a player to, to be put in that position. First, you need a player to be disgruntled. I think with a number of things, I think it's rarely ever just one thing that 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 puts a player in a position where they request a trade. For example, Stefan Diggs is, you know, our closest analog for a number of reasons. I think that he was both upset with the way Mike Zimmer wanted to run the offense, right? I think that that was like the biggest part. Mm-hmm. But I think that he was also upset with, you know, Kirk Cousins kind of, you know, generally. Mm-hmm. And I think it also takes a certain kind of player, right? I think that some players um, are more likely to want to seek out that trade. I don't think that's like a negative or positive quality or anything like that. That's not to say that. Although Stefan Diggs thinks that it was a negative quality and he kind of regrets the way that he acted during that whole thing. Um, I think it, 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 you know, it takes a certain kind of player to, to want to, to request a trade. So I, I think that there's like a confluence of factors here. And I don't think that those factors line up. I think that Jefferson likes the coaching. He likes the direction of the offense. It seems like he actually does like just uh, uh, Kirk cousins. Um, and so I think all of those things are like, he, he will unprompted just like defend cousins, right? Like I, I, that yeah. does not seem like stuff that Diggs would do. Right. So like, I think that those are all, elements here that prevent him from being there and he also does not strike me and you can always be wrong about this sort of thing especially when when you've got like second contract considerations coming up but he does not strike me as the kind of person necessarily that would want to to put in a request for a trade under those kinds of circumstances now if there you know circumstances change if you know um he's being underutilized whatever right those can change and that can change how a player responds but for now I don't think we can anticipate that that's going to be kind of in the cards, right? Like Adam Thielen never requested a trade and he has had frustrations with Kirk cousins. It seems like he's had frustrations with that offense before. And he's just, he's not wired that way. Again, not a positive or negative thing. That's just kind of not Mm -hmm. seemingly who he is. Yeah. And also let's say too, the wiring can change. I think Diggs changed. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we talked about yeah. this a number of times yeah. Sam, when we were at practices together. You'd mentioned to me that you thought that Diggs, um, his wiring essentially had changed the way that he kind of approached the game as a player had changed. And I actually, I disagreed with you. I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. And you're like, ah, there's something there. There's something there. It turned out you were, you were pretty right about that. Yeah. Let's end the show with this. It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. End of the season party fouls. Uh, something from the game, something from the week. I guess I got to go with the roughing the passer call. I mean, that that was ludicrous <laughs> to, to, to use a uh, a term from the I, halftime performance yesterday. Smokes. It took me a second, too. I'm deeply upset. I've just changed my party foul to reflect this fact. <clears throat> Also, you guys made me uh, traipse through ice and snow yesterday as my loser's punishment, by the way. That video is coming soon um, for our betting contest. I paid that off yesterday successfully. That whole thing was a big party foul for me, and I paid for it. Um, But the roughing the passer call on Kirk Cousins was egregious. Yeah. Um, So my party foul is actually related. Well, it's now it's Sam for Yeah, it has to be. Mine too. But... Uh, in addition to all of that, I actually was going to just pick the refereeing with the entire weekend. Like oh, it was horrible. the worst officiated weekend of football. I've I'm seen so glad you said since that. the lockout. Right. So that roughing the passers in there. I don't think anything the refs did in this game and they made a lot of mistakes that were were like 
surprising, like inexcusable type mistakes was as bad as some of the stuff we saw around the league. Like, uh, I mean, just most recently, I think it was at the the Ravens, you know, as Tyler Huntley, you know, throws an incomplete pass and they call it a fumble on the field. And it's just so obvious an incomplete pass. The booth has to overrule it. Stuff like that kept happening all weekend, not knowing the time left on the clock, egregious spots, which occurred in this Vikings game too, just egregious spots, you know, that, that hurt or benefited both teams. Awful holding calls, especially on special teams. Um, absolutely nuts decisions on, you know, stuff that was in completions. Just like basic. It's not even like you call something the wrong way. Like, I cannot believe they're mm-hmm. calling pass interference this tightly or whatever. It's not that. It's it's like literally just the objective rules of the game. They are just getting wrong. Mm-hmm. And I I don't recall seeing... Last year, last year's wildcard weekend will always be remembered as one of the greatest playoff weekends in the oh. history of football. We're probably not going to remember this weekend. We had some pretty great games, but if there is something I remember for this weekend, it's just how bad all of the officiating was. It was so much worse this year and this weekend than it had been throughout the season. People have been complaining about officiating all season and last season. It, I just, it was gross. What no, ag- agreed. There's only one reasonable explanation it's rigged. It's rigged. It's all rigged. It's Bucks Raiders Super Bowl. It's rigged. I just saw the Tim Donahue uh, documentary. Oh, on I Netflix. can't wait to watch that. How was and it? And now, now I think that everything's a conspiracy. Dude, watch out, man. Roger Goodell was in the building. What's going on with that? I'm just saying. Um, no, Reef, you, you made it some great points there. Fourth and one, that penalty. Was it Derisaw or Ezra? Derisaw. It was Derisaw. It doesn't matter. That was a killer. You turn that into a touchdown. Now, all of a sudden, you're only down three at the end. Maybe that changes the game. Short yardage situations, KOC's play calls. I thought have been a killer all season. Getting a little too cute in that department. Justin Jefferson sweep and then reverse pass to Cousins. But for me, Daniel Jones, 17 carries, 78 yards. Like we already went over and picked apart the defense already. Didn't have a third down until their third drive. 20 play drive for 11 minutes. Third down and two. You've got two high safeties, like 30 yards downfield. What are we doing? The other thing, too, is maybe Asamoa got banged up there on that special teams play, wasn't ready to come back. But all season, we've been banging the table for some more speed at linebacker. Get Jordan Hicks out of there. And after seeing Daniel Jones just trample you over and over and over, I'm begging for a quarterback spy or just some more speed with Asamoa in and Jordan Hicks out mm-hmm. speaks volumes to the lack of adjustments at all. And just no wrinkles or different designs by this defense at all. We're you know, some three safety packages near the end of the season, maybe, but like what's up? Nothing. Daniel no creativity. Jones, fourth quarterback ever, ever to rush for 15, rush 15 times or more in a postseason game. Lamar Jackson, twice yes. Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Uh, speaking to your point about short yardage, I think this actually speaks to my point about refs, which is that the Vikings thought they had converted, were told that they yep. had converted, and were told late actually that they had not converted. The exact same thing That's happened bogus. in San Francisco this weekend, where they thought they had converted, found out with 10 seconds left on the play clock that they had not converted. The mic had already turned off. They That's couldn't egregious. get a new play in. They took a delay of game as a result of the refs incorrectly telling them that they had converted, which already happened also elsewhere in the game, right? Where the refs had uh, decided that something was um, an incomplete pass or was an interception, right? They decided that that was an interception. The ball gets run back. They come out and say the ruling on the field is an interception. Uh, A couple minutes later, they say, actually, that was an incompletion. The Giants don't have to waste a challenge. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, I get 
why you didn't get the call right on the field. That one's really close. Um, just make them throw the challenge flag. Dude, that's so where did these expedited uh, reviews and, I mean, and it, it, this is that's where did a that come element from? this season? Like New yeah. York is coming in and just in the seemed, playoffs. It was it was on it was hyperspeed though. Yesterday, like they it were was hyperspeed. They, I, I had heard they were doing a lot of that. that. The playoffs would feature a lot more of this, and okay, you know, I don't hate that they're correcting it. They no, of course correct not. But, it, but, but there like, needs to be a better dialogue yeah. with it, I guess, or, or understanding to right. pump the play cop back up. Or weekend like... where a lot of corrections needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that it occurred in a weekend where you just had just egregious rest, right. I think is really kind of what throws a, um, a spotlight on, on this element. Like, I'm glad that, you know, you're getting the correct calls on the field, but, like, there needs to be a process for a making sure that coaches have like time to respond and get the right play call in. Like, it's worse that you got it right late than it is that you got it wrong early. Right. <laughs> like right, I think right. that's true. Right. Uh, yeah. And then also like it, it like in elements where it is kind of like a judgment call, just let it be a judgment call. Right. Like in elements where it's bang, bang and the ref gets it wrong, force the coaches to throw a challenge. It's just very weird. Yeah. How the yeah. Flow it of the game it gets just felt like it was the first time they've started to implement this expedited challenge or review or, yeah. or when, uh, when like the it just felt like it. you could just tell when, like, like this is field this position is or down and distance change. Restart the play clock, man. That is At minimum. Nuts. What are we doing? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I actually am going to hold KOC accountable for that one because I think there was enough no, time for them for him. It was yeah. first half. Call a timeout. Yeah. Yep. You don't Looking need to back, do that on third and say, one yep. just because you had it called. Yep. Yep. Um, th- guys, wonderful work this season, honestly. And thank you all for watching. We really appreciate all of you. And you're all the reason why we're going to do this more often in the off season, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays with some uh, iteration of our crew. Luke Braun will be back. He's flying back to California today. He was at the game. Watch for uh, for my loser's punishment vid- video from the betting contest. But thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. Uh, for Reef, for Luke, I'm Sam Ekstrom. We'll talk to you tomorrow and continue putting the season to bed on the Minnesota football party. So long. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.